0: Section 58 Introduction In Section 57, the Lord set forth the prospect of a Zion society that could be rapidly developed if the saints were capable of achieving sufficient righteousness to fulfill the plan of action as the Lord had laid it out. However, the Savior knew the end from the beginning. Therefore, on August 1st, he set forth this present revelation— designed to cushion the blow which would face the saints when they were unable to make the earlier portrayal of section 57 come to pass. In a sense, the following revelation is what the Lord might consider his personal caveat, perhaps a cushion to help him endure the harsh reality which he already knew is about to descend on the saints in Zion. Perhaps the fact that their own conduct would bring these tribulations down upon themselves would help explain the consequences. But it would not mitigate the Savior's sorrow as he saw the prospects of what he presented in section 57 fade into oblivion when the saints suffered the cruel tragedy of their expulsion from the state. We try to keep the Savior's perspective in mind as we review section 58. We should also remind ourselves that Sidney Rigdon, Sidney Gilbert, and his wife, as well as elders Morley and Booth, who are also mentioned in this revelation, had just arrived in Jackson County along with Joseph Smith. They arrived a week before this revelation was given.
1: Hearken, O ye elders of my church, and give ear to my word, and learn of me what I will concerning you, and also concerning this land unto which I have sent you. It is obvious that
0: the Savior is giving this revelation as a sequel to section 57, It is to provide additional direction for the saints and their mission in this land of Zion.
1: For verily I say unto you, Blessed is he that keepeth my commandments, whether in life or in death. And he that is faithful in tribulation, the reward of the same is greater in the kingdom of heaven. In
0: this verse the Lord introduces the factor of tribulation and emphasizes that those who endure the hardships and heartbreaks of these trials in Missouri will enjoy an even greater reward in the hereafter.
1: Ye cannot behold with your natural eyes for the present time the design of your God concerning those things which shall come hereafter, and the glory which shall follow after much tribulation.
0: Gently but firmly the Savior suggests that the future holds in store for them many trials which they would not yet anticipate. He goes so far as to remind them that it is only after much tribulation that God condescends to shower them with their great blessings.
1: For after much tribulation come the blessings. Wherefore the day cometh that ye shall be crowned with much glory. The hour is not yet, but is nigh at hand.
0: It is in this verse that the Savior emphasizes that they will inherit a crown of great glory. However, their reward is not yet, but nigh at hand.
1: Remember this, which I tell you before, that you may lay it to heart and receive that which is to follow.
0: The Savior wants this great people who will bear the brunt of the Missouri persecutions so that they are able to cope with that which is to follow. In other words, the tribulations come first, and the blessings come afterwards.
1: Behold, verily I say unto you, For this cause I have sent you, that you might be obedient and that your hearts might be prepared to bear testimony of the things which are to come. The Lord says they have
0: been given their present task, so that they can bear testimony of it and also foretell that which is to come.
1: And also that you might be honored in laying the foundation, and in bearing record of the land upon which the Zion of God shall stand.
0: This verse carries a strong hint of the real message in this revelation. It is simply that they are not going to be able to set up the glorious New Jerusalem or the city of Zion. They are only to have the honor of laying the foundation and teaching future generations what to expect when Zion finally becomes a reality. Now the Lord digresses to talk about the second coming and the great feast he will have with his disciples.
1: And also that a feast of fat things might be prepared for the poor, a feast of fat things, of wine on the lees well refined, that the earth may know that the mouths of the prophets shall not fail. Yea, a supper of the house of the Lord well prepared, unto which all nations shall be invited, first the rich and the learned, the wise and the noble, and after that cometh the day of my power. Then shall the poor the lame, and the blind, and the deaf, come in unto the marriage of the Lamb, and partake of the supper of the Lord, prepared for the great day to come. Behold, I the Lord have spoken it.
0: It will be a very comprehensive feast, first for the noble and great ones, and then for everybody else, including the poor and the handicapped. The Lord says the saints have been gathered in Missouri so that they might testify to the setting up of Zion, the great and glorious city of God.
1: And that the testimony might go forth from Zion, yea, from the mouth of the city of the heritage of God. Yea, for this cause I have sent you hither, and have selected my servant Edward Partridge, and have appointed unto him his mission in this land. But if he repent not of his sins, which are unbelief and blindness of heart, let him take heed lest he fall. Behold, his mission is given unto him, and it shall not be given again. These three verses are directed to Edward Partridge and
0: refer to his calling as the Bishop of the Church. The Lord emphasizes that this is the last time he will be given this difficult assignment. The Lord speaks of his need to repent. But we know of no offense he has committed, other than leasing the stewardships to the saints, instead of giving them irrevocable deeds in fee simple, so the head of each family would have complete control over the stewardship and not be subject to the supervision or control of the bishop.
1: And whoso standeth in this mission is appointed to be a judge in Israel, like as it was in ancient days— to divide the lands of the heritage of God unto his children and to judge his people by the testimony of the just and by the assistance of his counselors according to the laws of the kingdom which are given by the prophets of God.
0: The Lord reminds Elder Partridge that the job of a bishop is twofold. First, to assign the stewardships to each family and second, to act as judge in settling disputes and acting as an adjudicator among the people. He has the same assignment as Aaron in the days of ancient
1: Israel. For verily I say unto you, My law shall be kept on this land. Let no man think he is ruler, but let God rule him that judgeth according to the counsel of his own will, or in other words, him that counseleth or sitteth upon the judgment seat. Let no man break the laws of the land, for he that keepeth the laws of God hath no need to break the laws of the land.
0: The Lord wants the people to have God as their ruler, and he wants them to be known as a law-abiding people.
1: Wherefore be subject to the powers that be, until he reigns whose right it is to reign, and subdues all enemies under his feet. Behold, the laws which ye have received from my hand are the laws of the church, and in this light ye shall hold them forth. Behold, here is wisdom. It is also extremely vital
0: that the saints be known as loyal people, subject to the powers that be.
1: And now, as I spake concerning my servant Edward Partridge, this land is the land of his residence and those whom he has appointed for his counselors and also the land of the residence of him whom I have appointed to keep my storehouse. Wherefore, let them bring their families to this land, as they shall counsel between themselves and me.
0: The Lord says that in order for Edward Partridge and his counselors to fulfill their tremendous assignments, It is imperative that they bring their families from Ohio to Jackson County so they can get themselves permanently established in this new land. In the next four verses, the Savior sets down the responsibility of every member of the church. They are to be continuously anxious to have themselves engaged in the work of the Lord. However, he says that people who must be guided by every tiny aspect of life by the Lord are slothful servants and they will be condemned by the Lord rather than blessed.
1: For behold, it is not meet that I should command in all things. For he that is compelled in all things, the same is a slothful and not a wise servant, wherefore he receiveth no reward. Verily I say, men should be anxiously engaged in a good cause, and do many things of their own free will, and bring to pass much righteousness. For the power is in them, wherein they are agents unto themselves. And inasmuch as men do good, they shall in no wise lose their reward. But he that doeth not anything until he is commanded, and receiveth a commandment with doubtful heart, and keepeth it with slothfulness, the same is damned. Now the
0: Lord indulges in a private soliloquy as he asks himself some curious questions and gives his own answers.
1: Who am I that made man, saith the Lord, that will hold him guiltless, that obeys not my commandments? Who am I, saith the Lord, that have promised and have not fulfilled? I command and men obey not. I revoke and they receive not the blessing. Then they say in their hearts, This is not the work of the Lord, for his promises are not fulfilled. But woe unto such, for their reward lurketh beneath, and not from above. Now I give unto you further directions concerning this land.
0: Now the Lord tells the saints in Missouri a number of things they will need to know in this new land of Zion.
1: It is wisdom in me that my servant Martin Harris should be an example unto the Church in laying his monies before the bishop of the Church. The next
0: five verses are addressed to Martin Harris. The Lord says he is to be an example to those among the prosperous families of the saints in donating excess funds so that the money can be used in purchasing land. Martin Harris did set a good example by donating over $1,200. A large sum of money at that time. But the Lord implies he might have done it for the praise of the world, which would be offensive to the Lord. And Martin was instructed to repent.
1: And also this is a law unto every man that cometh unto this land to receive an inheritance, and he shall do with his monies according as the law directs. And it is wisdom also that there should be lands purchased in independence, "...for the place of the storehouse, and also for the house of the printing. And other directions concerning my servant Martin Harris shall be given him of the Spirit, that he may receive his inheritance as seemeth him good. And let him repent of his sins, for he seeketh the praise of the world." Now the Lord has something
0: to say to William
1: W. Phelps. He is
0: to continue in his capacity as a printer for the church, and also in selecting writings which will be distributed among the saints.
1: And also let my servant William W. Phelps stand in the office to which I have appointed him, and receive his inheritance in the land. And also he hath need to repent, for I the Lord am not well pleased with him, for he seeketh to excel, and he is not sufficiently meek before me.
0: Now, Brother Phelps is also called to repent because of elements of pride which have given him feelings of excelling over those of his brethren. Of course, we must remember that Elder Phelps had only been a member of the church for a few weeks, and already the Lord was honoring him with tremendous responsibilities. We also recall that in section 55, verse 4, William Phelps was ordained to be an assistant to the well-known Oliver Cowdery. But after they reached Missouri, he was designated the official publisher of the church, and Oliver Cowdery was made his assistant. That's in the Doctrine and Covenants 57 and 13. Under these circumstances, it is understandable why William W. Phelps might have surmised that the Lord now looked upon him as an indispensable man in the new order of things. But the Lord wanted him to know that in the kingdom of God, No man or woman is indispensable, nor is there room for those who have ambition to excel in order to make themselves elite members of the kingdom.
1: Behold, he who has repented of his sins, the same is forgiven, and I, the Lord, remember them no more. By this ye may know if a man repenteth of his sins. Behold, he will confess them and forsake them,
0: Elder Phelps apparently took the Lord's counsel to heart. This is evident from the fact that there are more songs from his pen than any other writer. Furthermore, an analysis of his hymns demonstrates that he had a most profound knowledge and understanding of the gospel.
1: And now verily I say concerning the residue of the elders of my church, the time has not yet come for many years for them to receive their inheritance in this land, except they desire it through the prayer of faith, only as it shall be appointed unto them of the Lord. Now this verse is a shocker.
0: The Lord comes right out and said that it would be many years before the saint received an inheritance in Zion. This had ominous implications, as the saint would soon discover.
1: For behold... They shall push the people together from the ends of the earth. The elders of Israel must have
0: time to gather the righteous together from the ends of the earth. But up to this time they hadn't even gone outside of the United States. These verses were pregnant with prophetic meaning.
1: Wherefore assemble yourselves together, and they who are not appointed to stay in this land, let them preach the gospel in the regions round about, and after that let them return to their homes. Let them preach by the way, and bear testimony of the truth in all places, and call upon the rich, the high, and the low, and the poor to repent, and let them build up churches inasmuch as the inhabitants of the earth will repent.
0: Many of the elders who had come from Kirtland were expecting to return home very shortly. The Lord approves of this, but calls upon them to teach the gospel and set up branches of the church as they return home.
1: And let there be an agent appointed by the voice of the church unto the church in Ohio to receive monies to purchase lands in Zion. And the Lord
0: emphasizes again the necessity to raise funds wherever possible and turn them over to the authorized agent of the church in Kirtland so that land can be purchased for the inheritance of the saints in Zion.
1: And I give unto my servant Sidney Rigdon a commandment, that he shall write a description of the land of Zion and a statement of the will of God as it shall be made known by the Spirit unto him.
0: The Lord wanted a description of the land of Zion that would promote the settling of this land. However, what Sidney Rigdon wrote was not what the Savior wanted, and so he had to write it again with more of a
1: flourish. And an epistle and subscription to be presented unto all the churches to obtain monies to be put into the hands of the bishop, of himself or the agent, as seemeth him good, or as he shall direct, to purchase lands for an inheritance for the children of God. For behold, verily I say unto you, The Lord willeth that the disciples and the children of men should open their hearts even to purchase this whole region of country as soon as time will permit.
0: Sidney was also to write a promotional pamphlet encouraging the saints to send money to Bishop Partridge so he could buy property for their inheritance in Zion. Notice that the Lord not only wants the saints to purchase inheritances, but to take over, quote, this whole region of country as soon as the time will permit, period, unquote. Had the saints obeyed this instruction, they might have survived in Missouri.
1: Behold, here is wisdom. Let them do this, lest they receive none inheritance, save it be by the shedding of blood. Otherwise, the Lord said this
0: region would have to be taken over by the shedding of blood. Here again we have an ominous verse portending hardships and tribulations in the future.
1: And again... Inasmuch as there is land obtained, let there be workmen sent forth of all kinds unto this land, to labor for the saints of God. Let all these things be done in order, and let the privileges of the lands be made known from time to time by the bishop or the agent of the church. And let the work of the gathering be not in haste, nor by flight, but let it be done as it shall be counseled by the elders of the church at the conferences, according to the knowledge which they receive from time to time.
0: Now, in spite of all the threatening implications in this revelation, the Lord wants the gathering of the saints to Missouri to be carefully managed. The people are not to gather in a confused mass, but come in an orderly fashion.
1: And let my servant Sidney Rigdon consecrate and dedicate this land and the spot for the temple unto the Lord.
0: This instruction must have been very gratifying to Sidney Rigdon, but somewhat of a surprise for Joseph Smith. Nevertheless, all the brethren, especially Joseph Smith, knew exactly who was in charge of this whole operation.
1: And let a conference meeting be called. And after that, let my servants Sidney Rigdon and Joseph Smith, Jr., return, and also Oliver Cowdery with them, to accomplish the residue of the work which I have appointed unto them in their own land, and the residue as shall be ruled by the conferences. And let no man return from this land except he bear record by the way of that which he knows and most assuredly believes.
0: Now the Lord wants a conference to be called in which arrangements can be made to have all of the leaders of the church prepare to return to Kirtland This is because Kirtland is still the stronghold of the church, and there is much work to be done there. However, they must preach the gospel en route and set up branches of the church wherever possible.
1: Let that which has been bestowed upon Zyba Peterson be taken from him, and let him stand as a member in the church and labor with his own hands, with the brethren, until he is sufficiently chastened for all his sins, for he confesseth them not, and he thinketh to hide them. But before leaving, the Lord wants all priesthood authority
0: and preaching assignments taken away from Ziba Peterson, who has offended the Lord and will not confess his sins.
1: Let the residue of the elders of this church, who are coming to this land, some of whom are exceedingly blessed, even above measure, also hold a conference upon this land. And let my servant Edward Partridge direct the conference which shall be held by them. And let them also return, preaching the gospel by the way, bearing record of the things which are revealed unto them.
0: It will be recalled that a number of the elders from Kirtland are still making their way to Zion. The Lord wants them to meet in a conference under the direction of Bishop Edward Partridge. After giving their reports at the conference— they are to return to Kirtland and tell the good news of Zion to all of the church branches or wherever they have speaking opportunities.
1: For verily the sound must go forth from this place into all the world and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The gospel must be preached unto every creature with signs following them that believe. And behold, the Son of Man cometh. Amen.
0: These three verses provide the Lord's proclamation to the whole world. The message of the gospel must cover the earth and spread the news that the Savior is getting ready for the second coming. Section 59, Introduction The 22nd verse of this 59th section suggests the Lord is getting a little impatient with the tendency of the saints to request continuous guidance on every small matter that may arise. This fifty ninth section is a recitation of the most elementary aspects of the gospel, following which the Lord says, Behold, this is according to the law and the prophets, wherefore trouble me no more concerning this matter. This is almost as though the Lord were chastising them for wanting new revelation when the Scriptures are already loaded with everything they really need to know. This same sense of impatience is set forth in the previous Revelation, section 58, when the Lord said, "'For behold, it is not meet that I should command in all things, for he that is compelled in all things the same is a slothful and not a wise serpent. Wherefore he receiveth no reward.' Verily I say, men should be anxiously engaged in a good cause, and do many things of their own free will, and bring to pass much righteousness, for the power is in them, wherein they are agents unto themselves, and inasmuch as men do good, they shall in no wise lose their reward. This is Doctrine and Covenants 58, verses 26 to 28. Nevertheless, it is understandable how gratifying it was to these early-day saints to have a prophet handy who could call upon the Lord almost every day. After Joseph was removed from the scene, there had to be a gradual weaning process, and this is how it came about. Wilford Woodruff tells us that after Joseph Smith was killed, the apostles were in charge until a new president could be appointed. Several years later, he wrote, Joseph Smith continued visiting with myself and others up to a certain time, and then it stopped. On Joseph's final visit, he explained how intensely busy the priesthood was beyond the veil, getting ready for the second coming. He therefore suggested that whenever the brethren had important questions, they should address them to the Father, and the Lord would answer them through the whispering of the Spirit. The leaders of the church cultivated this procedure in communicating with the Lord, so that open visions were much more rare and at the discretion of the Lord. In fact, Wilfred Woodruff says this was the last time he was allowed to see the prophet in the Spirit world. This may be found in Temples of the Most High by N.B. Lundwall, pages 291 to 292. We will now examine section 59, which was given to Joseph Smith on August 7, 1831. In fact, this was next to the last revelation Joseph received while on his first
1: visit to Missouri. Behold! Blessed saith the Lord are they who have come up unto this land with an eye single to my glory, according to my commandments. For those that live shall inherit the earth, and those that die shall rest from all their labors, and their works shall follow them, and they shall receive a crown in the mansions of my Father which I have prepared for them. This is an interesting passage where the
0: Lord talks about the blessings to those who survive the coming tribulations in Zion as well as the blessings in store for the faithful who die.
1: Yea, blessed are they whose feet stand upon the land of Zion who have obeyed my gospel. For they shall receive for their reward the good things of the earth and it shall bring forth in its strength and they shall also be crowned with blessings from above, yea, and with commandments not a few, and with revelations in their time, they that are faithful and diligent before me. No doubt it was
0: a great privilege for all those who participated in laying the foundation for God's glorious Zion, even though the realization of its glory was yet far in the future.
1: Wherefore I give unto them a commandment, saying thus, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy might, mind, and strength, and in the name of Jesus Christ thou shalt serve him. Now the Lord begins a recitation
0: of the most fundamental principles of the gospel as the foundation for Zion. The first is to love God with all one's heart, might, mind, and strength, and in order to ascend the heights of eternal progression, They must do everything in the name of Jesus Christ. Only then can he intercede in their behalf through the power of the atonement and get them
1: the blessings they are seeking. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Thou shalt not steal, neither commit adultery, nor kill, nor do anything like unto it. They must also love their neighbor
0: like unto themselves. They must refrain from adultery, the temptation to kill, or anything like unto it. Notice that there is nothing new in this revelation, but an emphasis on fundamentals.
1: Thou shalt thank the Lord thy God in all things. Closely akin to this
0: passage is the statement of the Lord in this same revelation, when he said, And in nothing doth man offend God, or against none is his wrath kindled. Say those who confess not his hand in all things, and obey not his commandments. Unquote. And that's
1: Doctrine and Covenants 58, verse 21. Thou shalt offer a sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in righteousness, even that of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. It is interesting that
0: for nearly 4,000 years the mode of sacrifice was the slaying of an animal and burning it on an altar of uncut stones. However, after the Savior's resurrection, he said, And ye shall offer up unto me no more shedding of blood. Yea, your sacrifices and your burnt offerings shall be done away, for I will accept none of your sacrifices and your burnt offerings, and ye shall offer for a sacrifice unto me a broken heart and a contrite spirit. That's in Third Nephi
1: chapter 9, verses 19 and 20. And that thou mayest more fully keep thyself unspotted from the world, thou shalt go to the house of prayer, and offer up thy sacraments upon my holy day.
0: Here is God's commandment, which describes the manner in which we are to worship on the Sabbath day and renew our covenants from week to week by partaking of the sacrament. When we are baptized, our sins are forgiven. But from week to week we commit new offenses, and that is why we partake of the sacrament often, in order that we can, quote, retain, unquote, a forgiveness of sins that have occurred since the last time we partook. If we neglect these sacred ceremonies, the Lord says our current sins not only accumulate, but our old sins begin to return unto us. This rather astonishing passage is in Doctrine and Covenants 82 and 7 and in the Journal of Discourses,
1: volume 8, page 124. For verily, this is a day appointed unto you to rest from your labors, and to pay thy devotions unto the Most High. Nevertheless, thy vows shall be offered up in righteousness on all days and at all times. But remember that on this, the Lord's day, thou shalt offer thine oblations and thy sacraments unto the Most High, confessing thy sins and unto thy brethren, and before the Lord. And on this day thou shalt do none other thing, only let thy food be prepared with singleness of heart, that thy fasting may be perfect, or in other words, that thy joy may be full. Keeping the
0: Sabbath day holy has many ramifications. There is a constant temptation to mix the holy day with the holiday, as Dr. Cindy Sperry at BYU has written, quote, In our day, this revelation is ruthlessly violated. The basketball games, baseball games, and football games played on the Sabbath to huge audiences are sufficient evidence of this fact, not to mention the hunting, fishing, and picnicking that goes on. The pleasure resorts attract untold thousands on the Sabbath, as do the open movies and other amusement houses. Millions are upon the open roads in their cars for sheer pleasure. Even the grocery stores are open for the convenience of the customers. Many persons whose consciences seem to hurt them attempt to justify or rationalize the conduct of our American people and other so-called Christians on various grounds, well known to most of us. But the Lord's instructions in this revelation show how wrong our conduct must be in his eyes. Even in ancient times the Almighty made clear to Jeremiah the prophet how serious he was in his request that the Sabbath be kept holy. And that's Jeremiah 17, verses 19 to 27.
1: Verily this is fasting and prayer, or in other words, rejoicing and prayer. And inasmuch as ye do these things with thanksgiving, with cheerful hearts and countenances, not with much laughter, for this is sin, but with a glad heart and a cheerful countenance. Here the Lord provides
0: a new meaning for, quote, fasting and prayer, unquote. He said it is to be done in a spirit of happiness, with a glad heart and a cheerful countenance.
1: Verily I say, that inasmuch as ye do this, the fullness of the earth is yours, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the air, and that which climbeth upon the trees and walketh upon the earth. Yea, and the herb and the good things which come of the earth, whether for food or for raiment, or for houses or for barns or for orchards, or for gardens, or for vineyards, yea, all things which come of the earth in the season thereof are made for the benefit and the use of man, both to please the eye and to gladden the heart, yea, for food and for raiment, for taste and for smell, to strengthen the body and to enliven the soul,
0: In these verses the Lord expresses his attitude toward the plant and animal kingdoms that embellish the earth. He wants it understood that these things were made for the happiness and well-being of the human family, but they are to be utilized with prudence and wisdom for the happiness and benefit of the father's
1: children during the second estate. And it pleaseth God that he hath given all these things unto man, For unto this end were they made to be used with judgment, not to excess, neither by extortion. This verse summarizes the view of the Father
0: toward the abundance of resources with which the earth has been blessed for the benefit of mankind. We notice that these things are not to be indulged in excessively, neither are some to abound in these things by abusing the lives, talents, and labors of others. The Lord calls this, quote, extortion, unquote, another appropriate word
1: for exploitation. And in nothing doth man offend God, or against none is his wrath kindled, save those who confess not his hand in all things and obey not his commandments. We have already discussed this verse in connection with verse 7. Behold, This is according to the law and the prophets. Wherefore, trouble me no more concerning this matter.
0: It is here that we sense the irritation of the Lord, that he has to repeat over and over the most fundamental aspects of the gospel. This irritation is also reflected in his anger that the saints are poor students of the Book of Mormon, and therefore we have only the lesser part And none of the two thirds of the gold plates that are still lying in the hill Cumorah, untranslated and unread, for a firm scolding of the modern saints, see Doctrine and Covenants eighty-four, verses fifty-four to fifty-seven, and Third Nephi chapter twenty-six, verses seven to ten. We will have more to say about this later.
1: But learn that he who doeth the works of righteousness shall receive his reward, even peace in this world, and eternal life in the world to come. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and the Spirit beareth record. Amen. No matter what trials and
0: tribulations await the saints in Zion, the Lord wants those who strive to do their best to be assured they will be greatly blessed. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to read more on The Prophet Joseph Smith by W. Cleon Skousen, go to skousenlibrary.com. Look for his book titled Brother Joseph.